This podcast is for general information purposes only and is not intended to create a physician-patient relationship. It is also not intended as a substitute for diagnosis, treatment, and or advice by a qualified healthcare provider. Please promptly schedule an appointment with a qualified healthcare provider if you have a healthcare condition that has not been diagnosed or that is not under the regular care of a healthcare provider, or you're considering changes to your diet or exercise routines. Please refrain from self-diagnosis and or self-treatment. And if you have a medical condition situation that may be urgent, then you should immediately report to the nearest emergency room. And flat tires called jobs. But if you have a spear called determination and an engine called perseverance with insurance called fate and the drive to make it, you'll reach a place called success. Dr. J here, and I'd like to welcome you to Reach a Place Called Success, a podcast that's intended to begin to bridge the gap between the practice of traditional evidence-based medicine that we're taught in medical school and the ever-growing interest in alternative treatments, treatments for illness, and treatments as part of a quest to optimize a healthy lifestyle. So you may start asking questions like, should I take the medication that my physician prescribed? What nutritional program should I adopt? There's so many of them out there. Or what exercise program would best help achieve my goals? The problem that I see is there's this significant divide and disconnect between the two camps. You have the physician's focus on one end, but then on the other end, you have, quote unquote, all of these healthy alternatives that we see popping up all the time on social media. The issue is that you don't know who to trust, what source you can trust. Can you even trust your physician? And the reason why that this is an issue is because they seem at odds. So who am I? Well, I'm not a big fan of labels, but I am a physician. I eat whole food, plant-based as much as I possibly can, and I am a yogi. But that's me now. What did I used to be? Where am I going is an even more profound question. And you may be asking the same questions of yourself. So the primary starting point is to understand that the mind and the body are not mutually exclusive. They are one. So the medical treatment and the nutrition that we choose, the exercise that we perform, our mental health, all contributes to our activities that we perform on a day-to-day basis to have success in achieving our goals, our sports performance, and our overall wellness. I'm excited to bring to you leaders in the field in medicine, nutrition, exercise, and mental health, along with athletes and individuals with remarkable stories that have overcome illness, have overcome injuries, and have persevered And this will help with telling the story about how you can, too, take in charge of your own personal health and reach a place called success. This is intended to be a non-confrontational platform to advance all fields of medical treatment, in addition to shed light on all different options and opportunities that you may be able to experience for nutrition, exercise, and in mental health. As with every one of my podcasts, I'll be asking each individual their unique story. In addition, I'll be asking that important question, do they practice what they preach? I wanna know their recipe for success. What do they do for exercise? What do they do for nutrition? What do they do to have more self-awareness? What do they do to try and deal with the stressors on a day-to-day basis? So hopefully this is the last time that this will be scripted 
I'm not a big fan of scripts. Scripts have expectations that I don't want to meet or be held to. So who am I? Well, I'm a board certified physician in what's called physical medicine and rehabilitation. I did all of my training in Chicago. Physical medicine rehabilitation kind of encompasses the rehabilitation of patients that are in a hospital setting that have undergone major traumas, spinal cord injury, strokes, children with CP, uh, and so on and so forth. Versus I concentrated more on the physical medicine aspect, uh, which is more sports medicine related, specifically uh, the area of spine. So I practiced for 12, 12 years uh, interventional spine work. Uh, and um, over that period of time, I did a lot of procedures uh, I did a lot of epidural steroid injections. I did a lot of uh, um, spinal cord stimulators that I implanted. But the primary purpose of my um, practice was to identify patients' uh, cause, meaning patients would come in with, sure, pain complaints is their number one complaint, but what was the underlying cause of their spinal condition? And most of the time there were biomechanical issues that caused this. But what ended up happening was I came out of medical school and residency and I was given an algorithm in my mind about how to treat a particular condition. And I used those tools that I just spoke of, sometimes exercise, but mainly what medicine would I give to get something to calm on down? What procedure could I do to try and address that pain? or that issue that the patient was complaining of. I soon learned, first and foremost, very quickly, was that not all patients were the same. So you could give what you would think of, uh, based on evidence-based medicine, the right treatment, and one patient might respond beautifully. But not all patients were the same, and some patients wouldn't respond. So very quickly I learned that the more tools that you had in the shed, the better you could treat a larger group of people. And understand that sometimes you need to use, making sure that it's safe, alternative treatments to kind of get that pain under control because the primary purpose is to not only get things to calm on down, but treat the patient as a whole and make sure that you address what causes these problems to begin with. So I would go to more alternative treatments. I would go to things like chiropractic care. I'm an osteopath, so I do believe in spinal manipulation. Uh, I do believe in traction therapy. I'm a huge fan of physical therapy. Obviously, nutrition plays a big role in this. But the bottom line is that I would tell patients that I would dance around the room if that would make them feel better. So one of the key things is the fact that Patients do need to buy into what their treatments are. They have to be vested in their care. I am not a surgeon where I will go in and remove something and then they're fine. The bottom line is that you have to have patients get involved and active in their treatment so they will be involved and active in their outcome. I want them to not have to come back to see me. So part of this is to understand that positive mental uh, attitude is critical. And I would tell patients all the time that placebo effect is 33% of the time successful, no matter what the treatment actually is. 
I honestly felt and would tell patients that there is the exact opposite effect. So if a patient is unwilling for one reason or another to buy into what the treatment is that you're giving and is not on board, then there's actually probably a close to a 33% swing in the opposite direction that could affect their outcome. So just from a mental standpoint, you could swing 66% one way or another, having success or failure based on whether or not a patient is buying into the treatment that you're recommending. So I spend a lot of time getting patients um, to understand why I'm giving the treatment that I'm giving and recommendations that I inevitably give. The most important thing that I found from a spine standpoint, and this can be used in a lot of different areas of, of medicine, is the fact that a lot of the times there isn't a um, cause, solitary cause for a spinal condition, meaning this is usually a microtrauma that occurs slowly over time. Having a sneeze or picking up a really heavy object, sure, started the pain cycle, but the bottom line is that we are moving a certain way our entire lives. And this creates microtrauma, creates us to uh, essentially have weakened areas of our body so that when we do sneeze, when we do pick up something heavy, we fall and have an injury at that particular area and cause that injury. So once we get the pain under control, it's a matter of going back to the drawing board and trying to see how um, a patient is put together from a biomechanical standpoint and educate them about what went wrong to begin with from the very beginning before the injury occurred and create different movement patterns and improve strength and flexibility to prevent this from coming back again. And I say that this is the case 95% of the time, but 5% of the time, there are unforeseen things. We do get involved in a motor vehicle accident. There is an injury that occurs that you could be a top athlete and have an injury because something unforeseen happens. I've always been uh, uh, someone that's been involved in exercise. And um, at this particular point in my life, about seven or eight years ago, uh, a friend of mine and I uh, decided to uh, get into training for a triathlon. And we went to a, a triathlon to compete. It was my first triathlon that I had ever done. I had done Tough Mudders before. I, I would do a lot of different exercise routines um, and they would be short-lived. I would, I would go and run the Chicago Marathon, have success with that, and then move on to something else. I would go do Taekwondo, whatever that thing is. Well, in this particular story, I was doing uh, the uh, triathlon in Atlantic City and I'm not a big swimmer, but I was able to uh, get my way through the swimming portion and got to the bicycle portion, which is probably one of my strongest parts of the, um, the triathlon. And I was finishing that and coming into the transitional area. And I remember coming off of the Atlantic City Expressway. And there was a transitional area there where there were uh, police barricades and they were holding off traffic for us to pass on through. And I distinctly remember looking at my speedometer, I was going 28 miles an hour, coming down the off-ramp, and this woman was late for work, and she was in her minivan. 
and she broke through the barricade to take a right down a street that was closed to traffic because of the triathlon. And unfortunately, I was able to see her only at the last minute, and I made a slight turn and hit her front wheel well on her passenger side. And I flipped over the hood a couple of times and landed at the foot at the cops um, and uh, had abrasions uh, throughout my body. Um, I did suffer a mild concussion, but the primary issue that I ended up running into that um, presented itself within the next couple of days to a week after the injury was that I did blow out two discs in my lower back. And I had developed a radiculopathy, meaning pain and discomfort going down my legs, my right side worse than my left. And, um, you know, I look back at that, that was a really difficult time, but, you know, I am inherently an optimistic person and I'm always looking at, uh, hopefully what can I gain out of this, this challenge. And certainly one of the things that I, I looked at first and foremost was the injury itself. Um, I, I don't look uh, at the, the woman that was driving in any um, uh, uh, bad light, but certainly understanding the principle that if I wasn't able to turn the wheel at the last minute to just get into that wheel well, that minivan is a large vehicle. And if she was just two feet further, I would have gone straight into the passenger side window and I could have been... Uh, one of the patients that I used to see in the rehab hospital with a traumatic brain injury. So um, I'm very thankful that that didn't occur. After the injury though, um, you know, of course, uh, this is my area of expertise. So I relied upon uh, my partner and I went through about a year and almost a half of conservative care from every oral medication that I could possibly think of short of any type of narcotics, um, muscle relaxants, anti-inflammatories, pain for nerves, neuropathic pain medications. I went through chiropractic care, extensive physical therapy. I did traction therapy on a day-to-day -day basis. We had a very high-tech computerized machine at that time that could distract the spine to help out with the disc herniations. And I did get better. I was about 50 to maybe 60% better, um, but I couldn't do all the things that I wanted to do. And I saw it affecting my life. Although I was able to work, I was actually uh, commuting at that time about an hour, um, which was a very difficult thing with the nerve pain going down in the legs. And it was trying on me. Although I felt like I was always someone that was really good with stress. This is the beginning stages that when I look back at the time in my life that stress really started to affect me personally, more than just from a day-to-day -day business standpoint. And, um, you know, I would exercise during the day, meaning doing my therapy. I did start to get into yoga at that time also, um, but I would literally just get through the day and I would come home and uh, just, you know, not want to do anything. And that was a, a difficult time in my life. And, you know, I'm not a drinker. I never would say that from an alcohol standpoint, I never became dependent. But at that point, I was drinking nearly nightly. And it wasn't a lot. It was just one or two drinks. Um, and uh, But it wasn't until 
probably about uh, the holiday time that um, I got a, received a present from my family uh, because they knew that I was liking uh, this uh, particular type of whiskey. And they gave me a crystal decanter. And I realized that by receiving this gift, although it was, it was a very generous, very nice gift, it wasn't in line with what I wanted. And at that point, I returned the gift, uh, explained my circumstance, and uh, it was definitely understood. And it was definitely a turning point in my life to say, hey, listen, I got to get um, my act together. This is where I need to practice what I preach. Um, I had empathy for my patients, I thought before, but this is draining. Uh, when it gets to that point, when you're going into a year, year and a half of having an injury that you're trying to overcome, it can affect you quite a bit. So I was trying to make my decision on who was going to do my surgery. Um, you know, I, I decided to go to the best. And the reason why I would go to the best was not because he was doing anything different from a procedural standpoint, but you know, this is the advice that I would give any of my patients also. You wanna have trust in the physician. And certainly he's not doing anything different than uh, any other surgeon in middle America. But the bottom line is that if things didn't go perfectly, I never wanna leave anything on the table and second guess who I chose. So it's those circumstances that if it doesn't go well, I'm not second guessing the choice that I made. I had the surgery and I spent a week out uh, in California um, walking around Venice Beach. Uh, I rented a, a VRBO and uh, I walked around and um, it was interesting because I didn't want to take any narcotics. Um, this is just something inside of me. Um, I wanted to practice what I preached. So uh, I lived off of anti-inflammatory medications, non-narcotic pain medications. I would take muscle relaxants to help ease some of that discomfort. Um, but my number one drug of choice was ice. Um, I would go to bed every night with a cooler and bags of ice would be in there. I'd grab a bag of ice, put it on my back and uh, it would melt, wake up 40 minutes later, roll over, grab a new bag of ice. And I'd start the rehabilitation process. Part of that rehabilitation process first started with exercises that he gave me, and I was hypervigilant. I would do those exercises every day. Then I would move to formal physical therapy. But soon I was able to transition to what I do now, um, which is yoga. And uh, it's a very interesting thing because I remember very, very distinctively when I started yoga, um, there's this uh, position called uh, half pigeon. And this half pigeon is a um, more of a uh, stretching posture than anything else. And I remember just being in agony because when I would do pigeon pose, I would put stress and strain on that nerve system. And that nerve system would create such discomfort in me. But I knew that I needed to slowly progress with that. And I learned a lot about my body at, over these months. And of course, the empathy for my patients continued because it was a struggle. And overcoming an injury like this, let alone the surgery and not using any narcotics um, was, was a challenge. Well, let's fast forward. And it was interesting because 
this is where my mentality kind of changes with regard to what I have gotten out of yoga over the years. The number one thing that I would always go to yoga for was just this, the exercise program. And um, honestly, I would hate when any of the yoga teachers would get into anything spiritual. I would uh, get a little fidgety when we started to do any meditation at the end of the practice. Um, and I would just use the exercise routine as just that exercise. Um, and it was interesting because it took about four years for me to uh, loosen up and realize that um, the thing that I needed most uh, was the thing that I was resisting. And in yoga, you know, the self-awareness, uh, the connection to self um, was the thing that I needed the most more than anything at all. Um, it was one thing that, you know, I was dealing with the stress related to that. Um, I had a change in my careers. I left clinical practice about five years ago. Uh, I wanted to get into more of the a business aspect of things and I do healthcare consulting now and that brings a whole additional amount of stress in my life along with personal uh, stressors. And I found that over the last two years, yoga has allowed me uh, that interpersonal self-awareness that um, has given me such a positive uh, outlook moving forward. So I credit that entirely to not only yoga, but uh, the yoga community, the Baptiste yoga community in particular. Um, Nutrition-wise is an interesting additional story. Um, I practiced for 12 years, like I said, doing interventional spine. Uh, I worked for 12 years alongside one of my closest friends, Dr. Scott Stoll. Um, he uh, has similarly left uh, clinical practice and does almost entirely now nutrition-based uh, education. Uh, he is a co-founder of the uh, Plantrition Project, and he's going to be uh, on my podcast, hopefully, on a very regular basis. Um, but similar to the yoga experience, I fought a lot of what he had been talking about for years and years and years. And um, he had been talking about whole food, plant-based medicine for all 12 years that, that we practiced side by side. And I would listen to him. I definitely ate what I thought was healthy. Um, but it hasn't been the la until the last year that I've really come to my own in appreciating the benefits that nutrition can have on everything in my life. Um, so I eat as much as I can, whole food, plant-based. But what I do know, just like I taught my patients, you have to come up with a, a treatment or a lifestyle that's going to be successful. So practice what you preach. 99% of the time, that's what I do. Um, uh, but the bottom line is that if I'm gonna go to a really great sushi restaurant with friends, I love sushi, so yes, of course I'm gonna have sushi. If I go to Italy, I'm certainly gonna eat meat and cheese when I'm, I'm, I'm there. Um, I do the whole food plant-based primarily for uh, the nutritional component, but of course I see the um, uh, benefits from uh, uh, agricultural standpoint, from an environment standpoint, and from a uh, uh, animal rights standpoint. 
Um, so that's me as of right now. I'm a physician. I'll always be a physician even though I'm not practicing. Uh, I am a whole foods plant-based uh, uh, practitioner um, and I am a yogi. Uh, the bottom line though is that what I would like to convey is why I'm doing this podcast. And the reason why I'm doing this podcast is more than just to bridge this gap between the way that I was taught as a medical student uh, regarding evidence-based uh, practice of medicine and this disconnect with the way that social media is portraying uh, the trends that are out there. But it's really, in my opinion, a way to give back because there are so many sources out there and patients don't know who to trust. Um, I wanna be able to have a platform and reach as many people as I can and be able to give back. Um, I wanna be able to help patients and have them make a decision and have ownership regarding whether it's a nutritional component uh, plan that they would like to uh, jump on and uh, change their lifestyle an exercise plan that they would like to adopt, or just from a mental health standpoint, understanding that this is critical. My most important focus is to try and help meld all three of those things and do it in such a way that it can be a partnership with working with your physician and have the best outcomes by using all the tools in your shed. So I invite you to be part of this journey um, I want to listen to all of you, all of my followers. That will help dictate who I have on to interview, um, and I will listen to you. And I hope that in the long run that we can all reach a place called success. I'm Dr. J, and thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next podcast. Caution signs called family And flat tires called jobs But if you have a spear called determination And an engine called perseverance With insurance called fate And the drive to make it You'll reach a place called success